welcome back to On the Road Again, a Winchester's podcast from Nerds and Beyond. We're so excited to be back with you guys for our mid-season premiere. Um, going to the back half of the season, I think we can all agree that this was a uh, roller coaster ride of an episode. Um, as always, I'm Jules. I'm a content assistant and editor here with Nerds and Beyond. I'm Kennedy. I'm an editor and a writer at Nerds and Beyond. And I'm Brianna, and I'm also an editor and writer at Nerds. So we were talking a little bit offline earlier about this, but uh, we we packed an awful lot into 45 minutes. We had the return of a major supernatural character. We well, two two major supernatural characters, really. Um, we had a whole entire storyline with Carlos all to himself. Uh, we had a whole storyline with Mary and her father that was like a whole. So I mean, like there was there's a lot to discuss with this episode. I feel like. Yeah, this this that struck me right off the bat about this episode. It just felt like they were trying to put a lot into it. Um, the pacing just felt kind of very, very high tempo. And I'm starting to think that this is an issue that is happening because all television is now like 13 episodes long. And so there's no need for fillers, but there's also not really time to, you know, stretch out those details. Um We'll see if that was just kind of a reintroduction thing with, you know, the midseason return. But we only have a couple episodes left until the end. And, you know, we still got some pretty big points to uncover, even though one was revealed. We will get into that later. (laughs) I was vindicated. That's all I'll say. I was right about one thing in my incoherent rants. I got one thing right. I'll say I agree. It felt very fast. I'm not against the fast paced episode, but. It felt like we crammed four different storylines into our tiny little one hour slot. So, I mean, I kind of agree. I could see it being more of writers are used to trying to plan for 21, 22 episodes and everything's been condensed down to 13. So you have to you're trying to work in your character development. You're trying to work in your storylines, but you also want to have side storylines. You don't want to have just your one main overall plot. Mm -hmm. So it felt. It felt like, yes, a reintroduction, but also a whole lot crammed in there. And I mean, so many major guest stars, too, because you have to. I mean, Tom Welling was in it. We had Richard Spade Jr. And obviously we had that big reveal about Dean. So it's kind of like you're, you're cramming huge, huge like stuff into one thing. And even the original Supernatural, they always had the full like 22 episode seasons. Like they had a lot of time to make these storylines breathe and to have all the side cases. Um, and I feel like I liked all the individual parts of this episode a lot. It's just tough when you're trying to put them all together into into one like coherent thing. Um, but kind of speaking of cases of the week, I think I think I speak for all of us when I say we love a good Carlos showcase episode. We love a good Carlos backstory episode. And boy, did we get one with this. We got JoJo singing. We got the return of Richard Spade Jr. as Loki. I mean, there's so much to dive into just with Carlos's storyline. I guess we should start with the major. The major thing was him singing, which you can now stream online. So mm-hmm. we can listen to it all day long. I will say I've listened to it a couple times. Just Jojo just has such a beautiful voice. So it's so hard not to just keep replaying the song. And um, of course, the house band, too, that played alongside Jojo is yep. Loudon Swain, who is well known uh, for being on the Supernatural Convention circuit for many years. And also, of course, has uh, Rob Benedict as a member who played God slash Chuck on Supernatural. Like, I mean, there's just a lot of really lovely fandom connections to having that band in the episode. 
I'm going to go ahead and get into it now because I know I'm not the only one who has questions about this. Do you guys think that it was just a little fun? Like, oh, Loud and Sweet's coming on because they did announce it before. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't I, I think the band like made a post about it or something, but we yeah. knew this was going to happen beforehand. But like, was it just for funsies or was this like a cameo? Like, was Chuck lurking in the back? I personally... The writers of the show have been so intentional about literally every choice that they've made from the start because they knew that people were going to pick it apart. Because they, they knew we were going to be are. insane. <laughs> they knew we were going to be insane. So a they knew that we were going to recognize Rob Benedict. Like even though they did slap a, a little wig on him, we we still saw him. They ha- they even had like one shot where it was like actually like mm-hmm. focused on him, even though it was like point mm-hmm. two seconds. So I don't know. Like that just. I don't feel like they were trying to set up like anything, but I I don't know. How do you guys feel? Because also with the Loki thing, which we'll also get into in a second. How do you guys feel? <laughs> Accidents don't just happen accidentally. They don't. There's always <laughs> I I I I was going back and forth about this last night myself, thinking about the episode because on the one hand, I think it's it would have just been a cute thing to have Rob there just as like a cameo and like very clearly he had a lot of like wig hair and makeup situation on like it wasn't like they just had him show up as himself and they had him in this band so on the one hand i'm like okay fine cute cameo wasn't meant to be anything more than it was um but then like you said kennedy these writers are not like normal right like they're they're aware of our fan base (laughs) they're aware that we overanalyze i i have to imagine that if they truly didn't want people speculating about it being God slash Chuck, whoever, then they would have just not had Rob do that particular cameo. And I don't think that that would have been, I don't think Rob would have been like offended by that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think it would have made sense if they were trying not to, to go that way. Mm, So I think I land more on the idea of it being intentional, but I don't know that it's going to like set up anything bigger. I think it might've just been like a fun Easter egg. I have a theory i'm going to preface with a question and again this is something that literally just occurred to me which is all my best ideas so it's about to be brilliant this is about to be no i just when they introduce chuck how old do we think he is again did you just ask me a canon question about the television program supernatural Okay, like I mean, I Chuck guess he was never the- really Chuck the writer anyway, so that doesn't work. I was gonna say, is this just like a young Chuck before? <laughs> I mean, they they it's could like just walking around vibing in the night in the seventies <laughs> in a band. I mean, he they could retcon that any way they wanted to if they really wanted to have like God in that scene, which would have been pretty. Actually, that would be really funny. I like the idea of God just like hanging out, <laughs> like well, this random just band. in a rock band. Well, when they <laughs> have. Around. They have him talking to uh, Metatron. He makes comments about, like, played some music, did some of this, that, and the other. It's like, is this God in the background just playing some music? Meddling with a little bit of John and Mary? Meddling with stuff. (laughs) I don't know. As much as I just feel like it was a little bit of a fun Easter egg, especially because it was the whole band and not, like, Mm -hmm. centered on him, I could definitely see it being used as a plot point later. Yeah. If there's, like, another season to come. I feel like maybe that's just some some more points towards team divine interference. There aren't yes. the others here from last week to argue with me. So um, 
<laughs> yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, because speaking of like cameos and people returning, obviously we had Richard Spade Jr. as Loki, which like I have to say, every time we talk about Loki and Gabriel, I do have to go directly to the Supernatural Wiki to really get a good idea of how that situation works. Thank you to Drake for posting that video of Robin Jensen explaining how the Loki Gabriel situation works. I liked having Loki back. I liked having the trickster back. Um, I find him very entertaining. Uh, so I like to see that character back with everyone. And I liked um, his interactions with like Carlos and the rest of the crew. I thought it was very, I, I-, I liked their scenes together. I would have loved if the whole episode was just that. Um, because I think they could have done it. I think they could have absolutely done like a whole episode with just that storyline. So I, I understand why they had to combine it with the other ones, but I could have seen a little bit more of him, I feel like, stretch it out a little bit more. Yeah, I would have liked it if it was more centered on that and not also everything else going on. I was a little confused because, well, not confused. I guess just, I mean, maybe his MO changed from the 70s to, you know, <laughs> when the show, uh, when Supernatural was set. But it felt like it was a little bit out of character for him, to me, at least, just because usually uh, on Supernatural, when we saw the trickster show up, which, you know, he was in multiple points, he just kept popping up because he was Gabriel and they didn't know that. But um, <laughs> he, he, it seemed like he really only messed with people that he felt like deserved it like that were quote-unquote bad people doing bad things and I just felt like this target Jericho was a little bit out of character because I mean like yeah he made a deal but he was willing to sacrifice Carlos he he didn't know that at the time he made the deal he didn't know at the time he made the deal all he wanted to do was play music for people if you make a deal with a mysterious cosmic entity, then you suffer the consequences of that. You don't make deals with people. I'm just saying, it felt it felt different to me. But yeah. Jules has no mercy, so I, I, I guess I don't think he deserved to die or anything. I'm just saying he didn't. It wasn't like he was the nicest person either. I think that's my one criticism for the episode. I love the storyline. I loved having Richard Spate Jr. back. He did such a good job, as he always does. The mustache cracked me up. The hat cracked me up. (laughs) They didn't explain why Loki was doing what he was doing. And there was always, with the old Supernatural, there was always, like, a reason. And we didn't really get a reason. He was just, like, burning people to death. (laughs) What if we get a reason later? What if we, what if this is the last that we see of him? What if there's more going on? This is, this is, like, I keep... I'm probably overthinking. I'm definitely like the person that like in the writer's room, they're like, ah, crap. That one person's probably going to think that this means something when it doesn't. But like, I just, I wonder if maybe we are going to see more of him because like he's currently in the trunk. Like, they still have him around. So like, they could definitely have him come back like, and then get involved with things again. So I don't know. I mean, I I feel like maybe there is a reason why he was targeting them specifically. Maybe I want we'll Lothar to later. use him as like a source of knowledge and just like take the mirror out and be like, hey, you ever heard of this thing? And then just like throw him back once again. <laughs> it's just like a source now. I like that. Like, canonically, the that's where he's. Yes. Oh my God. That was, was so funny. He's like, stop tapping me. <laughs> Manicure. Or what did he call her? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was really cute. That's she that was like kind she of was fun. having fun. 
just seeing the trickster like that character interact with our newbies i really enjoyed i like seeing them get to interact with some of these legacy characters a little bit just because it's it's fun to see the new and the old blood mix it's i can't wait to see more of it i hope we get to see more characters come back so we can see that happen I did love Lotha's reaction, though, when Jericho's like, I don't know, he said his name was Loki, and she's like, Loki, like the trickster guy? Like, that's such <laughs> she's a like, name. She's like, really dumbass? You couldn't figure that yeah. out? You couldn't put it together that whole time? That was really funny. I love Lotta when she gets sassy. She makes me laugh. I like that they didn't try to play it off as like, we don't know who this is. Let's Google Yeah. She's just like, no, you're all stupid. I know. I know who this <laughs> is. I mean, I know we were talking a little bit about Carlos earlier and just how awesome JoJo's singing was and, like, that aspect of the storyline. But I have to say, I really love this show's emphasis on found family and just the importance of that. I genuinely got a little bit emotional, you know, when, like, Carlos is describing, like, these are my people, like, these are my family. Like, this is, these are the people that I love. Because by the end of Supernatural, we got there. Like, we got to Chosen Family, we got to Found Family. And with this, to just have it be baked in right from the start. Like, I loved the line that they wrote where he was like, I did sacrifice everything for hunting, but I got so much more out of it than I could have imagined in exchange. And I won't play your game. I loved that. Because it's a very, like, it echoes back to, like, what Dean has said before, like, about hunting and about how he gets a lot of meaning and satisfaction from helping people and from saving people and from his family. I just really liked that they brought that into the show. It was really sweet. And I I think it was a really cool moment for Carlos as a character, too, to really acknowledge that, that he has a family now. That and for them to use that as the thing that defeats Loki is like Mm -hmm. his whole thing is humanity is always selfish. They'll always do the thing that, you know, will keep themselves alive, sacrifice Mm -hmm. everyone else. And Carlos isn't willing to do that. Like he will sacrifice himself for his family. It was really sweet. And I kind of cried a little. It was just very sweet. And also on a, on a more lighthearted note, uh, the glitter, very (laughs) fabulous. Loved, (laughs) loved the glitter. (laughs) That was great. (laughs) In my mind, when it exploded, I just thought of that blooper on the Supernatural Reels where Misha's like, confetti, it's a, it's parade. a parade. I want all the bloopers from this show, mainly because I know moments like that had to have been very entertaining to try to get right in person. And kind of moving on from that storyline, the other massive storyline of the episode that, you know, again, like a lot of massive things happening in one episode is Samuel re- reuniting with Mary. Which was, like, so interesting. And they handled it way differently than I thought that they were going to. But, like, in a good way. Like, I, I liked how they resolved the emotional tension between them. But, like, what what were you guys thinking about those moments with, with those two? Maybe I'm just skeptical. <laughs> and maybe I'm just conditioned to to think that all of the parent-child relationships in this franchise <laughs> are doomed. But <laughs> I don't trust it. I don't know. Like... <laughs> Yeah, they handled it really differently than I thought they were going to. There was way less conflict between mm-hmm. Samuel and literally everyone, except him and Millie kind of had like a little contentious moment, I guess. Uh, but, that, but that was like a fun contentious moment. That was like a yeah, ha-ha. Yeah, like. <laughs> it wasn't any truly like, I thought he was, I've said this so many times, I thought he was going to swoop in and try and be like, no, y'all need to listen to me. I'm back. Like, this isn't Mary's team. Um, but he saw how they had grown. I mean, uh, Lata and Carlos, obviously he didn't know John before, but he saw, you know, how well they were working as a unit and that they had all, you know, kind of grown into what they were doing and he respected it. And he was like, okay, like 
y'all are good. Y'all don't need me to get up in your grill. And that's literally the exact opposite of what I expected to happen. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm skeptical. I'm I not wasn't. because we didn't think they were. I mean, any anytime we saw the like flashbacks in OG Supernatural, it wasn't like, oh, Mary had a horrible upbringing or anything. So I expected there to be like you did. I expected there to be a lot of drama and a lot of Samuel trying to jump in and take charge and know it's my way or the highway kind of thing. But I really like that he came in and sort of sat back and watched how they operated and realized Mary's kind of found her groove and he may not be a team player, team hunter, but she is. And he sw- he accepted that. And it's like, he's a good father, which I know we don't trust in this, <laughs> in this universe, but I think a, he a, might good, be a father? good father, a good father. What a, what a shocked. But what I loved about the way that they had him, because initially, like the very first like scene with him, he was kind of reverting to that personality of like, I know best, mm-hmm. like, listen to me, whatever. But it was John saying, be her father and not a hunter. That's what kind of like you could see a light bulb go off with him that he was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, and for it to come from John Winchester of all people. I know. Okay, fine. I mean, <laughs> but but to see Samuel really like take that in and then proceed to like actually learn emotionally and like do better immediately, <laughs> that was like, what? It was like healing all my supernatural trauma in in like in like three scenes. For him to like say to her, like, I recognize that like you can do this, and I recognize that we put this burden on you that you didn't deserve to have. And everything that I'm doing now is to try to set that right because it wasn't fair what I did. Like, I mean, what the heck? Haven't we wished that someone had said this to Dean and Sam like 700 times watching the original show? Like, to have her get to hear that from him is huge. And I think Meg and Tom did such a great job of playing that relationship. I loved the two of them together. A character with emotional intelligence? What? A man on this show who apologizes for his wrongdoings? What? What? No. Yeah, that I'm sad they like had him leave right away. Like I he's know. going off to do his own thing. Like I would love to have him around for a couple episodes. His dynamic was so interesting. And I think Tom Welling is just a good actor. So it really he just kind of jumped right in there and showed us who Samuel was mm-hmm. without missing a beat from what we already knew. And I loved I have to bring up the uh, the mole man. Yes, that was <laughs> all the times I've seen men of letters and MOL. I have never read it as mole in my brain either. And I will forever call them the mole men now. <laughs> I just like that they continued that feud from canon. Like, I like that they kind of kept that little bit of animosity in there. I mean, we were saying that we thought that like Samuel and John were going to hate each other. So I kind of like the begrudging respect situation that they have going on. Like, it was. We were talking about that moment where um, he's like, you can call me Samuel. And he goes, Sam. And then Samuel's like, no, no. <laughs> not that. Samuel. Too, too and then grips his hand so hard he's about to break it. That was the best. <laughs> he literally shakes it out after. I don't know. Yeah, I got to I gotta also add, like, I didn't know what to expect for Samuel and John. I figured they would butt heads pretty good. But I feel like Samuel was able to sit back and kind of see how much John already cares for Mary and was able mm-hmm. to accept it which is not what we expected. And there was sort of that understanding without them ever saying it, that you you could almost see it 
non-verbally of we both love this girl so we're gonna do what's best for her and they never had to say it but it was sort of like a moment that passed between them when they were just sitting there in the room with no one else Mm -hmm. around and i really like that they kept it as a non-verbal thing and because john stood up to him like Mm -hmm. john wasn't afraid to be like hey you're being a jerk like your daughter needs you like not the hunter version of your daughter but like your daughter daughter like and that's I, I And he did it in a way that was, like, blunt enough to get through, but it wasn't, like, so disrespectful, you know? Like, it was kind of like, hey, like, reality check. And I think Samuel also saw him fighting and kind of knew, like, okay, like, he's not a total liability. He's not, like, d- dead weight for the team. D- d- <laughs> despite the Captain America antics, he isn't, like, a horrifically yeah. bad fighter. <laughs> like, he can kind of hold his own. So, I, I mean, yeah, I like that relationship, and I, I hope that they bring Samuel back sooner rather than later just so we can kind of see them together again because they're good. And we have to talk about, okay, we put a little bit of a poll into the nerds chat last night because we all needed to know if we were the only people who were seeing this or not. But uh, Samuel and Millie, what what crack ship is going on over, <laughs> over here? In the words of Chris Evans, I don't like it. I don't like it, guys. Like, I felt it from the very beginning and I was like, please don't. I'm sorry. I, I I love both of the the performances that were happening, but I don't need them to uh, go down this road for, for me personally. I need them to reintroduce Deanna like immediately. <laughs> Where is she? I need, I need that to have more chemistry than what was happening with Millie and Samuel because it made me, it was there and it made me all kinds of uncomfortable, but it was there. And I was like, why, why am I able to pick up on this? <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I feel mean, like both of the the Winchesters managed to put him in his place, though, which I yeah, thought was interesting. I mean, obviously, John with the whole, you know, we've said it like three times now, treat her like a daughter, not a soldier moment. But gee, uh, I, I wonder if we Bianca. really like if, if we really like the character Dean so much that we just keep hearing that line uh, and just immediately <laughs> connecting it to all the like daddy's little soldier sort of lines. And we're just like, Arr! that's why that line just keeps replaying in our heads. You might be onto something, mayhaps, perhaps, <laughs> perchance. Before we change topics, the one thing that I liked that they, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about the scene later, because I loved it so much, but when they're they're having the fight scene, and Samuel knows that it's not Mary because of which hand she's fighting with, and she stabs her, I liked that moment. It was, like, kind of a genuine moment of, like, a little bit of shock there, because you were like, whoa, like, what if he's wrong? But, like, at the same time, like, he, it was a cute little moment to show that they do know each other and that he knows his daughter. And I liked I liked the acting in that scene between the two of them. I like that moment for the pure shock that I felt when he stabbed her. Because at first I was like, oh, he's the trickster. He turned into Samuel Got and it, is stabbing yeah. her. And I was like, crap, that's a gut stab. She's not, she's not living that one. <laughs> she's not surviving that. Like, I was thoroughly shocked until, you know, they had him shift pretty quickly. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I fell for it. Yep, they were definitely going to kill off um one half of the two major leads. Uh, the four episodes before, many episodes before their finale. I was having season. demon deal flashbacks. It was not good. <laughs> Hopefully they learn their lessons about making deals with random strangers this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I bet you I bet you that uh, John and Mary are done with, with making deals. <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to happen ever again. Mary Look, especially is going to be super careful. We can and, dream. Uh... <laughs> we can hope. We can clown. And clowning, <laughs> clowning worked 
as we will get into later. Oh, we will will talk about the level of clownery that we are dealing with on on this call. Wait, before we leave Samuel as a topic, I appreciate this show introducing their own version of a tattoo. (laughs) I did too. That was so cute. I was so sure it was going to be the anti-possession thing. And then it wasn't. It was some other like tiny, even smaller, cuter little one of like, the Akrita can't possess you with this one. It's like, oh. <laughs> and a new subtle supernatural tattoo just dropped yeah. if you uh, want to go get that so that nobody will know <laughs> what show it's for. And then this is our kind of last topic before uh, before the one that's going to have us go off the rails. Um, before and I all already, hell sets loose. Before all <laughs> hell breaks loose. This is our last like sort of semi-coherent topic. Uh, John and Mary uh moving further and further into romance uh as i wrote on the outline last night well it looks like we're really doing this folks uh so first of all john actually had an a, a conversation with mary about their feelings like a mature human conversation so kudos for that i was so proud of him i was so <laughs> proud of john for like addressing the elephant in the room and wanting to discuss it and not just like sweep it under the rug like look at him growing and emotionally maturing (laughs) i wrote on the outline we we were all shocked at the level of emotional intelligence that john displayed throughout this entire episode but like i mean if to be fair this is the first episode in a while he has not been a complete disaster in (laughs) and we always joke about the meditation i'm like maybe the meditation's working Maybe it maybe, did. <laughs> maybe it's working. It could be helping. You never know. It could be. It could be. I I genuinely want to figure out um, how much of Mary is in this moment, like super genuinely interested in John, like in love with John, like ready to move forward that way. Or how much of her is just kind of looking for like a distraction and like John is there. He's nice. He's very clearly in love with her. They want the same thing. Like, I'm curious as to, because she seemed like even at the beginning of the episode, she was pretty hesitant. It was really only at the end when they kind of knew where they stood with Samuel. Like, they kind of knew what the next plan was that she was sort of like, all right, let's do it. Like, kind of end of the world kind of thing. I I don't know how I feel about how Mary feels about John. I think, I think she likes him. I don't know that she's, you know, head over heels in love with him or anything. It's still a little early for that. I he's a cute think, boy. He's here. Yeah, he's a cute boy. He's there. He's charming. He can fight a little bit. He's goofy. A little bit. He can do a little bit of fighting. It's a little bit in comparison <laughs> to what she was doing. It's That's a little true. bit. Um, I just think she's, I mean, she's still young. And I don't know that she's ever really tried to think romance-wise with anyone. Because hunting is so isolating and it's driven her parents apart. So, I mean, for her right now, she's in, like, hunter mode, and then everything happened with Maggie. So, I can't imagine she's really been like, hmm, time to find the love of my life. I think it's going to be sort of John stumbling into her, and she's going to sort of be in the middle of it before she realizes it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And he's definitely fallen for her harder. Way harder. Um, Way faster. Way harder. Way faster. John is all in. John's like got John will get get her name tattooed on his arm (laughs) yes absolutely and like so I do kind of I do feel bad a little bit for John because I think he's like 
he actually did do the right thing and tried to have a conversation and sort of figure out where they stood. And he's now, I think, getting some extremely mixed signals <laughs> about where they currently stand. Especially with that kiss at the end, because even even for Johnny was like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean? I thought we just hadn't talked about this. I thought you didn't want to pursue this right now. Look, I'll share my thoughts in a second, but I have to I have to highlight the the camera work of of that kiss because <laughs> yes, the height, the force perspective was <laughs> force perspectiving really really hard when. <laughs> When okay, Meg leans down. Meg, Mary leans down to kiss him. He stands up, and you just see the height difference like shift. It was I was. <laughs> it almost took me out of the moment. It was too funny to me. Um, and there were definitely shots where you could see they were trying to fix that. I I love them for trying because it's it's such a big gap but they're making it god work. bless the camera operators on the winchesters you guys you can only do it. so much i mean you can only do so much and you're different. killing it come on and that one shot and i feel like this is probably a good segue into our derangement section um but the the shot where they're looking at the photograph and literally whoever was holding that camera was lying on the floor in order to get the shot of looking up at the two of them Kudos to you, anonymous camera operator. Your work does not go unnoticed. We see you. We hear you. I do want to throw in my two cents about the John and Mary thing because I feel like <laughs> I feel like this was the most genuine that their relationship has felt to mm-hmm. me this mm-hmm. episode. Um, I know I've been more on the side of it. It's kind of feeling like some angelic interference. Um mm-hmm. I think that Mary likes him. I don't think that she's in love with him, but I do think she cares deeply for him. She feels protective over him as a part of the team. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I think that she's a lot more logical and like Brianna was saying, a lot more cautious. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. we don't know that she's ever really been in a real relationship or even in love at all. Um, and so I think it makes sense for her to just kind of, I feel like it's kind of like her like war strategy mindset. Like we need to knock these things out. We need to make sure that everything's okay on this basic level before I can even really think about, you know, trying to do this. Um, The way that she framed it when she came on to John at the end, like, I don't want to think I just (laughs) like, let's just, let's just be together. That does kind of seem like she's looking for distraction. So I feel like it's a bit of both. Um, Hashtag red flag. (laughs) um that she said it that way (laughs) yeah i don't know i think we'll have to see this did feel like the most genuine yeah that they've been to me so well they let their chemistry go there like we were talking about this in the group pod last week but like may and drake have a lot of chemistry like they do like in their their mary and john they have chemistry together so the moments where they were kind of forcing the romance you felt it like you felt like that was what was happening but in that moment like even if mary's intentions aren't necessarily like the purest like it definitely felt real like it felt like she really did care for him in that moment um i do like that john never really fully responded to her because he was like wait a minute i see a man in a photograph who i recognize so i look forward to them actually having a discussion later once they all get over the shock of a mysterious stranger man in the photo who uh 
maybe maybe isn't so strange to uh to us i don't know if we're ready to jump into that part of of the episode yet let's get into it let's get into it everyone got their clown noses ready all right we got the clown noses ready dean winchester is back i was right it was him with the letter i am so proud of herself guys i'm so So happy I never get these things right, but it makes me so happy that I was right about this. Because, And I also did not, genuinely did not think we were going to get that reveal so soon. I thought they were going to draw that out a little bit longer anyway. And I thought that when they were looking at the photo and we couldn't see who was in the photo, I thought they were going to wait till next week. Like, I thought they were going to be like, who is it? Cut to black. And I was going to be very upset. So the fact that we actually got to see who it was... And that it was Dean. I was so happy. <laughs> we were all were. Our chat was going crazy. I knew as soon. We've all <laughs> had various people, uh, angels, mm-hmm. other deities that we theorized that it could be. But we've all at one point said that we think it is plausible for it to be Dean. And as soon as they picked up the photograph, my spidey senses were tingling. I knew it was him. I knew it was him. And the scream I let out was unholy when he showed up on the screen. <laughs> Glad no one was around to hear that. Uh, probably would have shattered some eardrums. I, I, I'm baby. really excited. Our that baby is our Dean baby. Is back. Our 40 year old man baby. <laughs> that we protect and love so much, even though he is a grown adult man who is fully capable of murder. <laughs> he can do it for himself. Do we want to discuss why we think he's back? Oh, what Brianna. Are, what are your main. What are your main theories? <laughs> I have about seven. I know there's a lot. Um, Get your rain out, Jules. Go ahead. I I do. Do we want to save mine for the end? Do you guys want to go first? <laughs> because yours will probably be more coherent and better <laughs> than mine. I'm I'm torn between he's he's straight up meddling, trying mm-hmm. to prevent the death that he knows is coming, and. I mean, he told us at the beginning of the season, like, I want to chronicle what happened. So is he just truly observing in some capacity, which begs the question, how is he observing? How is he suddenly time traveling and observing these things? But we'll get to that in a moment. (laughs) So it's hard to lean towards him just journaling and chronicling everything for whatever reason. Because he already stepped in with the letter. Like, mm-hmm. he already altered things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's hard It's hard to see it as just like, yes, he's just observing and wants to see for himself what his parents' story is. Which I, which I could still see because, I mean, we don't know for a fact that when he died, he didn't have a letter that he handed over to Dean and was like, hey, can you give this to my son? So, I mean, it could theoretically be... Dean from that time period, it wouldn't make a lot of sense if it was, but I don't know. I'm torn between those two avenues. I don't really know what to think. Um, (laughs) I'm on the same. I'm on this. Well, okay. Jules, you're laughing, but I know you have this like hyper specific thing planned out. (laughs) And I just don't, I don't want to commit because like, like Brianna said, it, he can't just be an observer. He's already inserted no. himself into the narrative. And a thought I had was like, maybe this is some sort of weird, like, 
time paradox blowback, but like from pre finale. Um, but that doesn't exactly line up with the timelines, and I don't. It doesn't make sense mm-hmm. from a plot standpoint. Just like for it to be something that trivial, you know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Something that I've been thinking about if we're going to clown is how did he get into the past? Um, sounds like you need a certain level of heavenly assistance there. I don't know. That's just me. But you you you, you bet your ass it does. It does require <laughs> some kind of assistance. Or did Dean figure out the spell that Henry uses whenever he jumps through time and also is using the same spells? I mean, there could be a little bit of that going on. Um. I, you know what? I'm going to say, Brianna, I'm going to say no. Um, I'm going to say it's <laughs> you not. You want angelic it's, interference. It's, it's, um, so it's bad. not magic. Um, you know what? I'm going to say, I, I'm going to say that it is uh, a certain, a certain angel that we know, a certain baby in a trench coat, um, who may or may not be able to move Dean around in time if needed. Uh, I, listen, I'm sorry. I really, now that we know that it's Dean with the letter, I very strongly feel that we are going to see major supernatural characters back again, particularly in the last few episodes, I think to kind of, again, support my theory that we're kind of going to have to spin Winchesters off into its own universe. And I think that a nice way to send them off that way would be to have Dean and Cass and Sam back somehow into the narrative. And I think that this reveal that Dean is time traveling is it gives the perfect excuse to have Castiel jump back into the narrative because he can help him get there. If this is taking place when Dean is in heaven, then that would lend a lot more credence to the idea that Castiel is back because obviously in the finale they did say, you know, Castiel helped rebuild heaven. He was involved in that somehow with Jack. I think that it's very easy to, even if they couldn't get Misha Collins per se, to have a line in there about like, oh yeah, like Cass zapped me back here or Cass did this or Cass did that. I don't think that's impossible. So that's what I'm clowning for. I'm clowning for Castiel to show up on the Winchesters and I won't apologize for my clownery, even if I'm wrong. No, don't apologize. I mean, I would love for him to show back (laughs) up. I'm just trying to flesh out any other ideas. (laughs) Brianna's trying to help it not hurt so badly when it doesn't happen. I can't can't let myself clown this hard again. It will just hurt my heart when we hit episode (laughs) 13 and we still haven't seen it. Fair, honestly. But I don't learn things, so I'm going to (laughs) continue to clown. Like that meme, I'm ready to get hurt again. (laughs) Yes, I am. I'm I'm ready to get hurt again. Honestly, just having Dean back is lovely. Like, truly. Like, I, I mean that sincerely. Like, just even having Dean back, it really makes me feel a lot better about things to to be able to see him and know that he's actively interfering in the narrative and like has a role in the story like it does it does my heart good i was well, telling things about this right after the episode i don't know that i told you kennedy but just the lo- i like i really enjoy the logistics of how things happen so the fact that he showed up not only as Dean, but he showed up with baby he showed up with the car with like, baby. <laughs> so he either had the car transported there with him or showed Imagine up and found himself another another Impala to drive around. No, Cass, <laughs> like I know, I know you're probably gonna like pass out for a couple days after, but you have to send the car with but like, I, have, I, 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 have I need to go with baby. <laughs> I need to go with baby. Okay, so this this I need to ask you guys, and and perhaps our listeners will have thoughts on this as well. But I saw uh, as usual the most unhinged image floating around on Tumblr after the episode aired. 
But somebody was pointing out that in the background of the scene where the trickster is telling Carlos about the deal and they're in the alleyway, like outside, like the venue, if you look behind Gabriel, if you look behind Loki, you can see a car that looks suspiciously like Baby in the background. Now, I will say that I am not the best at spotting Baby, even though I have seen that car how many times before. But people were circling it and being like, oh, my God, like, Dean must be, like, watching them. Like, he must be nearby, like, watching everything that's unfolding. Did you guys notice it? <laughs> Did you guys notice the car? No. Um, I also <laughs> think a lot of cars from, I mean, a lot of cars from back then had a kind of similar build, um, especially Chevy cars. Um so if it's not super close up, I didn't see it. So I, I have no clue what you're talking about. But if it's not really like close, I don't feel like you'll be able to actually tell that. Um, I never know if it's just like Tumblr clowning or if it's like an actual thing. I'm happy to like, you know, dived into that dumpster of like theories and everything else. I was just intrigued because I hadn't noticed it. And then when someone pointed it out, I was like, eh, plausible. I can't. I'm not good with cars. So I really wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't know. Listen, I had to rewind it to make sure it was loud and swaying. I'm not very good at noticing <laughs> the background on a first watch. Like, that's just not my stronghold. I'm just bad at it. Like, they could have had Dean walk by in the background and I might not have noticed. <laughs> Let's be real. I probably would have noticed. But that's not my point. My well, point well, is I don't how, could, how could you not notice Jensen Ackles walking by in the background? That's a, true. It's clear. It's true. I keep. I think it's interesting that people think he might be, like, watching them from afar um, a thought that I keep coming back to is, so I think it was kind of implied, if not outright stated at the end of Supernatural, that a lot of the, you know, stuff that was going on with Sam and Dean was because Chuck was interfering. But we still have this big idea of fate, even though sometimes that's tied in with Heaven's plan, sometimes it's really not. But something that I keep coming back to just as a thought is, Last time Dean traveled into the past, he he did change things like he he mm -hmm. made decisions and like actually had actions that influenced things that happened. I mean, John buying baby in the first place, which to be fair, she has not shown up in in the Winchesters at all. Um, but the outcome was still the same. Um, and that's something that kind of leads me to believe that. Maybe we're going towards an alternate universe, which again, Jules, we have never said is yes, not yes, happening. Yes. I have never said I don't believe it. I have supported <laughs> it. I just don't know if I support your hyper-specific theory <laughs> with every detail pinned down. Um, but that's something that I'm thinking about just because, yeah, he's done things in the past and it definitely had ripple effects and it changed the circumstances of what was going on, but it didn't change the ultimate outcome. So. I don't know. Food for thought. I feel like that was kind of our theory corner, too. I think that's about where, we, where we've landed for theories, in, at least in this episode. Um, but there were, I mean, there were some also some cute little moments that I really liked. Like um, I, somebody put, I don't know which one of you put this on the outline, but the line where Lata was like, play some Sabbath. It just makes me so happy <laughs> that she's a Black Sabbath fan. <laughs> that just really cute. cute. I like all the lore we get about Lata because I feel like she's the one of all of them that we really don't know um, as much about her backstory. So I want I want to know more of what's going on. That was on so there. funny to me. She was like, I'm not really into the folksy stuff. That's like the opposite of what you'd expect <laughs> for her. 
It was hilarious. Mm-hmm. And her delivery was really cute, too. It was, like, right on with, with what I would have expected. We already mentioned my other funny, which was the glitter. I'm still <laughs> chuckling about that one. It's very cute. I liked it. Yeah, I didn't really have any of this episode. Well, they all kind of fold in, I feel like. Yeah, we, we kind of covered yeah. them all as we went. Yeah. The one thing we haven't covered a lot yet that I absolutely need to cover and will take us directly into Mixtape Corner um, is the absolutely fabulous use of Elton John in that fight scene. I know it probably took their entire music budget for the season. I don't care. It was perfect. When I was first hearing the notes of it, I was like, is there, are they really... Are they really? Did they buy this song? And they did. So I I love the fight choreography. I loved everything about that scene. I love the music. It was just chef's kiss, no notes, perfect. But they, I mean, they used a lot of good music in the episode. I know we already talked about Carlos um, getting to cover um, their song, but then also too we had it was it was just like a good. It was I really liked that scene and I liked the music overall. What did you guys think? I thought it was a great choice. I mean. Everything about that fight scene, like you said, was just perfect. I love the way they had Loki split out into five people so that it wasn't, you know, it, it wouldn't have made sense for him to like, I mean, he's a god, so I guess it would make sense for him. To <laughs> but that just sort of heightened it and made it, it made it go with the song so much better. Like, I don't think they could have picked a better song. And yet again, Kennedy, another depressing song to uh, add to your <laughs> list of depressing songs, that hard times come again no more. That's yeah. a really depressing song, too. Such a I think it, it, it all went downhill since Age of Aquarius. <laughs> Not downhill well, even, and that the choices are bad and that it makes me sad. Mal even g- g- made us sad with Age of Aquarius. So. I'm choosing to ignore that because I need <laughs> some speck of joy in this show. Sorry to Mal. <laughs> Love you. It was a great analysis. I just can't. I just can't. We're just simply choosing to ignore <laughs> your analysis. Any final thoughts on this episode before I move into my next week's synopsis section? Obligatory plug for the mixtape, which we have on Spotify, that you can go depress yourself to your heart's content. Um, <laughs> well, hey, now we have that Saturday Night's All Right on there. So that's that's true. upbeat. That's upbeat true. and fun. So then if we if that's our last thoughts on this episode, uh, next episode, we have vampires returning. Great. Um, the vampires are back. And it's going to be really interesting, I think. So this so this episode is gonna, is called Cast Your Fate to the Wind. Um, and it's based on a song that was originally released in 1962. And it's been covered by a lot of different artists over the years. But it's probably best known for the fact that it was in the film Good Morning Vietnam. Which, I mean, if that's not right on the nose, uh, then I don't know what is. Um, And so this is the synopsis that we got from the CW. And again, you can always find our latest descriptions and photos for the episodes that we get um, on nerdsandbeyond.com. We have some photos up. So we should definitely um, check those out. Uh, and this synopsis reads, when vampires make their way into Lawrence, Carlos corrals the gang to find out why. Lata's weeks of sorting through the Men of Letters clubhouse provides vital information when John gets a scary glimpse into the future, the future, and enlists Millie's help with his plan. Meanwhile, Mary struggles with the tedious balance between feelings and action when it comes to John. That is such <laughs> the tedious balance. Mary doesn't know what to do. Mary just wants to kiss a cute boy. She doesn't want the feelings. She just wants the kiss. 
Um, and this week is actually really cool. We have um, a female director. We have Kristen Wendell. And she has directed a lot of episodes of different series for the CW. She's directed Kung Fu and Legends of Tomorrow, um, quite a few episodes. And then most recently, she did five episodes of Doom Patrol, which is really cool. Um, and she's also an editor, too. And she edited 37 episodes of Arrow. So, I mean, she has a lot of experience with CW action shows, for sure. Um, and I'm really excited about the writer um, for this episode. It's written by Rachel Lynette. It's her first episode of television um, ever, because she's actually a playwright. Um, and when I looked up her website, she describes herself as a black queer playwright who writes dark comedies about complex, complicated women of color, which is really cool and definitely not a perspective that we had on um, the original Supernatural at all. Um, so really great to have her. And I am I wonder if maybe she was part of the Warner Brothers workshop program that we talked to Daniil and Jensen about when we were at New York Comic Con, because that program is meant to bring new writers who've never written for TV into these rooms and give them the chance to write a full episode of television. So it would be really awesome if she was a graduate of that. But I don't know if, if that was why she was brought in. But always excited to see new people in the supernatural world. I feel like Jensen is playing with us with that <laughs> vampire plot. <laughs> he, yeah. I, that's all I'm going to say, I guess. I, I saw that promo and I was like, hmm. Hmm. Vampires. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Especially with uh, that that one interview he did, keeping with the trend of saying things and us just being <laughs> too dumb to, to see that to he's saying them. Being like, it would be so interesting if Dean was like interfering in the story. Wouldn't that be funny, guys? And here we are. I literally have, I, I'm pretty sure I have the exact quote because we were laughing about it last night because we were all like, wow, isn't that like hilarious how like we literally just talked about this in the podcast. Oh yeah. The quote literally is from the TV guide article that came out when they were doing the promo. And the quote is, so if you happen to have a character like Dean who has the opportunity to go back and alter things to see if it might work out a little bit better for his family, what would that look like? Thank you, Jensen. That's it. That's the Winchesters in a nutshell just makes me wonder how much they're gonna change you know like there's the potential there for one little thing to change it a lot or will you just do a little bit like maybe just having that letter is gonna help john mentally and having that little moment of getting to talk to henry really changed everything i don't know i don't know but a the only way to every- find out is watch live people <laughs> i was Tune just in gonna live. say you got to tune in live. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just, you just have to tune in live. You need to. Uh, the new time is still the case. It's still 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, next week. And the other thing that I wanted to say, because they actually came out with more updated numbers for the season, the Winchesters is still number one on network TV in terms of uh, DVR playback and delayed viewing, like both on the CW app and on DVR. Uh, they gain almost double their audience in delayed playbacks. So, guys, can we please watch live as much as possible? Because people are watching the show and we want to let them know that people are watching the show. So, even if you can't like watch live, just leave your TV on and go out for the night. It'll still count as a stream. You can come back and watch it later. Exactly. Stay off Twitter, you know, don't spoil yourself or anything. But yeah, 
We want to support this little show because let me tell you, I already know that episode 13 is going to wreck me emotionally. And if you leave me on episode 13, I won't be responsible for what comes next. Probably. We didn't do Winchester Stupid. Was there no. Winchester Stupid? Do you, do you want to do Winchester? Do it really quick. Do it really quick. I don't know it. I forgot about the recap. You know what? They, like, they oh actually weren't. I don't think that they actually were stupid this week. Like, I think that they actually they like, too handled busy it. to be stupid. They were... <laughs> There, there had to have been at least one. Oh, I mean Carlos, Carlos taking the um, the curse from his buddy. I guess that's a Winchester yeah. stupid move. Yeah. I mean, nice motive. Like, what's the, what's the line from Brooklyn Nine Nine? Cool motive, still murder. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like so. I mean, well intentioned, but still stupid. Still a Winchester stupid thing to do. Maybe they're know. learning, guys. Maybe they're evolving. They're not making Winchester stupid mistakes anymore. I feel that that will be disproven in the next oh, couple yeah. of episodes. Especially when it comes to uh, vampires. <laughs> yeah, because the Winchesters have a lot of uh, good luck with vampires. You know, historically speaking, that family, uh, really, really solid history. Well, that's our show for this week. Be sure to check back soon for our weekly coverage of the Winchesters. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SPN on the Road Pod. And make sure to head over to at Nerds and Beyond for all your nerdy news. This week's episode was edited by Jules Thompson and produced by Brianna Lester, Kennedy Lynch, and Jules Thompson for Nerds and Beyond. Our theme music is by Kennedy Lynch. <laughs>